uh, and I think I had that that I had a well, I've had an event in my life that changed me forever. And when you realize that, like I said, things, dollars come and go. They're easy to they're easy to get. They're easy to lose, and they're easy to get again. So, people doing the right thing, being authentic, and, and not having an ego, and just trying to live a life where uh, and I don't want to be corny, but doing good. Like I said, we always want to do the right thing here. Uh, my entire team has that same philosophy. Uh, that's the way that we're going to build good relationships and partnerships uh, and be authentic and feel good about what we do at the end of the day. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that reflection comes from David Israel, the founder and co-CEO of Good Planet Foods, who encourages us all to live authentically. In today's episode, Israel shares the uncompromising values for bringing on investors, how to balance leadership with two CEOs, and why he stopped building companies for the wrong reasons. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real David Israel. Enjoy. So leave us a review. There's a little button there. Uh, should be a few links in uh, coming in shortly about how you can subscribe to this podcast. So with that being said, let's get this show on the road here. Here we go. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is the co-founder and CEO of Good Planet Foods, David Israel. David, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much, Kevin. Is is my double the other co-founder? I, I, there, is there another? Co- <laughs> is there another co-founder? No. Okay, that's, well, that's okay. I like it. Well, we well, we gotta change that too. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's that's on me then. Like, you know, I I thought I did better research than that. No, I it's fine. I no, it's just just curious if I, I'm going to put in double the efforts here. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll wear two hats today. I mean, you've been a founder of a lot of different companies. Maybe that's why I got confused. Now tell us kind of how you got into uh, this space and when I'm speaking about plant-based foods and kind of, you know, why you're interested in this. Yeah. So uh, as you might know, I mean, I, I founded a snack company in 2011, which was my first kind of entry into the, to the food category. Um, <clears throat> started from scratch with no experience whatsoever. Uh, it was a popcorn company, and three months into business, you know, Oprah found it to be her favorite product, and things kind of blew up. And over five years, we grew into uh, selling into 35 countries, partnering with major food companies in Russia and Japan to build factories and distribute there. Uh, we were in all Starbucks stores, Costco's, you Nick Kroger across the country. And you know, in in late two six, 2016. Uh, I just wasn't seeing eye to eye with one of the investors that I brought uh, a fund that wanted to degrade the product uh, and increase margins. And I'm, I built it on quality. I built it on innovation. And I wasn't going to stand for that. And I, when I could see that um, we were just weren't going to get to where we need to be, uh, in early 2017, I resigned, uh, blew them away. They couldn't believe it. But I was like, 
I can go do something else. If you want to run my company the way you, I don't believe in it, you can go do it. Mm. But my goal was, as I'd gone through that snack process of going from popcorn to potato chips and to condiments into more natural products that I wanted to start creating, I really, being a healthy eater uh, and trying to live a healthy lifestyle, I really wanted to do something in the better for you category. Um, I didn't know what. So 2000, early 2017 uh, was really a, a way for me to explore and find what I felt, where I felt I could be innovative, uh, make change, and really do something that I was passionate uh, about and I felt had a worthwhile mission behind it. So all these things were starting to resonate. I just didn't want to come up with a product and sell it. I really wanted to do something that that drove me every day. So um, I just started looking around. I started talking to people. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I, I shifted away from milk uh, and, and most dairies. I wasn't eating a lot of ice cream or cheese. I mean, I love cheese, but um, didn't really agree with me. Um, and it just kind of popped up on my radar that, you know, the vegan cheese category, when I started looking, was very narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started speaking to people about it, people that were consumers, they're like, it, it's really not, a, it's, it says cheese, but it's a, not a great alternative. It doesn't, doesn't melt was number one, and it tastes terrible, number two. Uh, so I started playing with all the products that I could find, uh, and it was like, wow, this, this really doesn't, doesn't perform the way it should. Uh, and I just dove into the category, and, and you know what? I started learning a ton, Kevin. Um, one of the key factors for me, not except skip all the stuff where I could improve the product. I thought it really, I thought it was a joke, but I was talking to somebody who goes, you know, that dairy industry has a more of a negative impact on our environment, our ozone layer than fossil fuels. And I was like, I'm like, Oh, sure. I'm like, where'd you come up with that? He goes, pardon me, but he goes, cow farts. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. He goes, no, you look it up. And I, I thought he was pulling my leg. I did look it up and I was like, holy cow. But no pun intended. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, no pun intended. That was, nice. that was a slip. Um, it just really, I was like, wow, what a, what a great thing that not only can I do good for people, I can do good for the planet. And uh, it really struck a chord with me and started to create a mission. So that was what, that's what interested me was not only giving some, the consumer a better product or hopefully giving the consumer a better product, but also the impact that it could have on our environment and our communities and our world, uh, our planet uh, overall. Now, I love that concept. I love that thinking. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have, you know, leaders like you in a position that realize that the, the impact of a, of a company's decisions on the planet and on society. Now, I want to stick with the first example and then kind of go from there with the popcorn. Sure. You know, when it comes to scale and scaling a mission-driven organization, you know, what are you looking for in investors? And how did you get to that point where did he control more equity in the company or walk us through that process? Yeah, look, uh, love my company, Pop Gourmet. I mean, it, it was, it was it's, it's David Israel through and through, came up with the original product, came up with the name, uh, did everything from scratch. Uh, built it from my kitchen into a 40,000 square foot facility after four years, 
Um, I love it. With, you know, like I said, international uh, uh, sales and production. It, it was a great learning experience. I had no idea what I was doing, Kevin. Zero. Uh, I mean, other than, I mean, I, I probably entered it like any entrepreneur. I got an amazing product. People got to have it. Buyers need to have it on their shelves. Uh, of course, I got very fortunate with Oprah falling in love with it. And not only just putting us in the magazine, but really being supportive of, of I mean, calling, she was literally calling retailers uh, for them to carry our product. I mean, not, but I wasn't asking. It was just happening. So made it into her magazine three times. I did her Live Your Best Life tour here in Seattle with her. Um, so a great partnership. We actually were going to about we were about to launch a, a co-branded product together mm. uh, in October of 2016. And we we did the deal. We had packaging. She launched it for 500 of her closest friends on a cruise. Um, and the same investor said, no, we're not going to do that launch after we approved that launch. So, yes, that investor came in, in in early 2016. It was a family office out of New York that had nothing, no knowledge of of the food industry whatsoever. They did get contractual control of my company with their investment. I mean, they got an extra vote. So that extra vote uh, outvoted me. Um, and, you know, I try to operate and it's very clear to everybody that I, I work with and I learned it at POP. I'm building my business based on doing the right thing all the time, mm-hmm. building partnership, building relationship with, with my, with my, my by buyers, the consumers, because I want to be transparent. And um, I want them to know that if David Israel or Pop Gourmet or Good Planet Food says they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. If there's a problem and it's their fault, they're going to own it. They're going to make it right. Right. Um, that wasn't the philosophy of, of this investor. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. It wasn't who, I mean, forget the margins and, and uh, quality, just the, the way that they did business is not who I was and I couldn't be. Mm-hmm. So when I said goodbye, I mean, my board and that, they thought I would, they just thought they were to lure me back with a raise or, or, and I, I was like, no, you don't understand. I mean, when I, when I get, when I see something, I'm not, and I know it's probably going to be the way it is. I'd rather just go do something else. I mean, so I learned a lot there about branding, packaging, uh, promotion, um, how you work, you know, your message to the customer, um, sourcing your product. So I learned a ton there that really led me into here. Uh, and when I got here, first, when I understood the market and I understood the plant-based movement and those consumers, when I understood my mission and what the mission of our company was going to be, it was easy to create a brand that I felt would represent who we are and connect with that consumer. Um, consumers buy branding and packaging first, Right. Then they got to like the product, hopefully love the product. And then they got to like who that company is and believe that it's authentic. It's not some marketing tool to trick them into buying it. So everything that I've done here uh, was based on lessons that I learned there. My investors, I I didn't just take dollars. Uh, I mean, if anybody said they weren't aligned with my strategy or my mission or my goals for the company, I told them they could go invest somewhere else. Didn't. Not a good fit. And it didn't happen very often because, again, when you're transparent and you lay things out, and it's very clear who you are. Uh, there's no surprises. So it's investors like that. 
I mean, they want to know that you're not just some uh, magician that's showing them the nice, the great cards, hand, your hand, the hand of cards you have right there. They want to know that no matter what, you're a guy that they can rely on. And to have some amazing investors um, built an amazing executive team. And I, the same thing with my team. You know, uh, you want to make sure they understand who you are, who the company is, what the mission is, and what the goals are together. Wait, I mean, up front. If, if they don't like it up front, they shouldn't be a part of your team. I don't care what their resume says. I want them to buy in and be a part of everything that we do. So uh, my co-CEO doesn't like this, my, 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 my philosophy of uh, we're school of fish. Uh, because you do need to have a leader, right? And he's very good at that. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm like, come on, get in the car. We're all going to drive together. You'll do what you do. I'll do what I do, and we're going to win, right? And I'll push the pedal to the metal. You have to have direction, and, and you have to have strategy, and you have to have goals. And that's why uh, I have Bart Adlam, who's an amazing executor, who's an amazing leader, uh, who's much better at that part than I am. I, I'm a guy that's just going to you know, go forward, figure stuff out, uh, and build relationships. And together, we built this amazing partnership uh, to lead our company. But everybody on our team is so aligned. Uh, we were so transparent. Uh, it just feels like one great uh, family at the end of the day. And that's what I want. I want everybody to be here. I want everybody to win. I don't like this top-down, you know, I'm the boss, do what I say leadership. It's like, hey, let's let's all work together and make this happen. Bart will create a strategy and make sure there's good guidance and uh, you have good direction. Um, but we all got to play our part. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, would you agree with this that maybe, you know, maybe not the management will be top down, but like the values trickle down. So like with your investors, yeah. it's like, you know, you've got to have some uncompromising values that, you know, if they go against those, then you're out of the company because those values are embedded into the organization. That's what attracts customers, what attracts the communities, what attracts employees to work for you. What are some yeah. of those uncompromising values that you have established into the organization? Yeah, I, if you don't mind, I'm answering two parts. One, yeah. uh, you're exactly spot on. Uh, I could tell you with no uncertainty uh, that my investors today are completely aligned. I mean, I've never been so comfortable that I feel like I have definitely the, I have a me, I mean, these investors at a much higher level than I had my last company. And I had some high level investors. This is an incredible group of investors and funds and leaders uh, that I was so blunt and direct and transparent about what my expectations were. We were all aligned before I took a dollar. I mean, and I can tell you today after going on almost a year, I could be more confident that they support everything we do. Uh, very, very involved, very, very involved when we want them to be, very hands-off uh, unless we ask for their participation because we're all engaged together. Now, it's critical to get the right investors um, because, again, a uh, hard lesson if you bring in just a dollar, they don't understand what you're doing. You haven't laid out where you're going. They don't see your roadmap and agree to it up front. But particularly, they don't understand the market you're in. I mean, that's a problem uh, because they don't. There's no way for them to be value add, which is critical, right? Uh, I mean, someone told me a very long time ago, a dollar is not a dollar. 
right? Uh, I mean, I can get my grandma to put in a hundred dollars or I can get the CEO of uh, whatever, um, you know, beyond needs to put in a hundred dollars. And it's worth a lot more because he's going to give me some insight, uh, direction, connections, networking. Those things are critical. And I was very thoughtful about that this time. Cause again, I just want the best relationship with everybody. And uh, I, especially particularly my investors, because that's why I'm here. I mean, Yes, I, I I don't care. I mean, I'm not about the dollar, Kevin. I mean, I want to be successful. I want to take care of my family. But I mean, you only need how many zeros. At some point, it doesn't matter anymore. I just want to be not worry about things every day. And I want my family to be taken care of and be happy. But I am obligated to my investors and have a strong responsibility to, to get them a, a good return on their capital and to make sure that I build this company uh, for them as I told them I would. So we're all aligned. It seems like it makes a world of a difference. Uh, now, I, I see what we did there with the co-founder and the CEO and the founder and co-CEO. I've never, I don't think I've ever come across a co-CEO. What is that like for your organization? And is it difficult maybe to, uh, when you have two CEOs? No, uh, you know, initially we were, we were recruiting for a president and had some amazing candidates. Uh, you know, Bart was one of those candidates and we got down to the final two. I, I, I brought them out here and I'd sat down with Bart and I knew right away, uh, well, within a couple hours of time, like, this is my partner. This is the guy that is going to allow, he understands who I am. He understands our category. Uh, he understands my strategy um, and he wants to be part of it. Uh, I just knew he was the right guy. And when he left Seattle, I, I said, you know what? Uh, I think you're my man. And he's like, great. I want to be your partner here. So uh, I think it was a couple of days later, he, he reached out and said, you know, I, I've been a CEO for a long time. It's not a deal breaker, uh, but rather than president, I, I'd love to be co-CEO. I was like, great, no problem. Uh, you know, uh, he, uh, he said, is that, he said, that doesn't challenge you? I said, look, I'm looking for a partner. I mean, the title doesn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, if we're partners and I'm doing what I do and you do what you do and, and we're taking everybody to the finish line. I said, that's all that matters. So it's really about, it comes down to what everything make or break really falls on communication at the end of the day, right? I mean, you can, you can create problems, you can solve problems. It's all in communication. And we're big on communication here. Uh, I tell everybody that joins our team, it doesn't matter I don't care what your position is. We're we're partners here, okay? Uh, I'll play my card, my title card. If my head's on the guillotine and I see it's about to drop, other than that, I don't need to be the big guy. I mean, we're all together. I just want us all to win and be successful. And Bart and our entire executive team has all adapted that same philosophy, mm. or maybe they already had it. Um, so it's really fluid. Um, and the team knows who, I'm really clear, I mean, I'm not good at hiring. I'm not good at, you know, developing strategic plans. Uh, you know, I'm not good at giving you direction. I'll say, hey, let you need to do this uh, and let's go do it. Bart's great at that. So I think it's people know who I am and they know who he is. And I just let him do what he does best. And he lets me do what I do. And we connect and make sure we're aligned. So pretty smooth. There's no questions. Now, I love that. And it's funny that you tell Bart you're not good at hiring, too. That's also 
uh, comical. Well, I was good at hiring him, though, because right, I, exactly. like I said, I got everything on the table. I piled everything I could possibly think of good and bad on the table so that there were no no surprises later. Right. Um I love it too because you know you're, it's a gut feeling that you have. You know, you knew like you, sometimes you just know you know that this is the right person. Like that, that's the, I got a great feeling about this one. I really, you know, I really want to hold on to that as well. And you know, that selfless culture that you've kind of brought to the organization, and and also you know, it's it's a very selfless industry. You know, like you said before, you know, we're not willing to you know squeeze as much profit out of this our packaging, let's say, out of possible because it's going to be a detriment to society or the environment. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, we had, um, you know, a competitor of yours on the show and, you know, they're talking about vegan cheese. I'm like, interesting, vegan cheese. How do you make vegan cheese if it doesn't come from an animal? I think theirs comes from almonds. Where, like, talk about the manufacturing in terms of the value chain. What process do you use to create this cheese? And then also, what are the environmental metrics that you might be measuring on for, yeah, my, my, we work with Phillips Petroleum. No, I'm kidding. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what's itching, you know, I, I, a part of our goal was to be allergen free. As I told you, we wanted to be able to, we wanted an item that was going to be able to appeal to everybody uh, without any hurdles. So we're completely allergen free. Um, you know, we, our process. Uh, uh, potentially, you know, our dairy pieces, a dairy cheese takes 65 gallons of water per slice to manufacture. Ours takes a couple. Um, we're very sensitive to that, right? We want to be environmentally friendly across the board. Um, we're made from coconut oil, uh, which is responsibly sourced. Uh, it's not child labor. It's not monkey labor. Uh, it's organic. And we're very particular we're very particular about where all of our ingredients come from. Mm. Um, so I would say that when I first started sourcing, I, it's a learning curve. You know, I mean, monkeys picking coconuts. I thought, yeah, I thought that was another joke. I mean, I, it just, I'm like, are you kidding me? But it's real. Uh, you know, child labor. Wait, hold on one sec. Hold on. As I, I, so I told you I'd never cut you off, but this is. Yeah, you can cut me off. It's okay. Monkey, monkey oil? Monkey's no, oil? no, no, no. They use monkeys to pick in some places. They use monkeys to harvest coconuts. Really? Yes. They have trained monkeys to harvest. Really? Apparently so. Yeah. Wow. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. I was not aware of. So I, I said, never heard that anything new. I mean, you, you move into a new category and when you try to do better and you try to understand things more so that you can be more authentic, you learn a lot. And yes, crazy. So we have we have stores that and and buyers that want to make sure that uh, our coconuts aren't being sourced from companies that are using either child or or monkey labor, um, and we have to prove that. So, uh, you know, these are things that we've learned. Um, we've been very successful about finding ingredients that are sustainably sourced. Um, our team is always looking at ways to to do things better and more environmentally friendly packaging is, is a challenge. Um, there are, there is packaging out there that is either recyclable or biodegradable. Uh, but the problem is hmm. we can use it, but the consumers won't want it. And the buyers of the stores won't buy it because it degrades the, the shelf life of your product. Hmm. Uh, and it's super expensive. So it creates two problems. It, it shortens your shelf life. But I mean, a lot, 
I mean, you know, literally probably about 80%. Um, and then it increases your cost. So it makes it very challenging. I can do it, but then the I'm telling you, know, our buyers at the stores will not buy it because of the prices out of the market, which is why I think a lot of our competition isn't there yet. Our team is constantly looking to find products, uh, a, a packaging that is biodegradable or recyclable. We have now found a company that will recycle our products and we're trying to work on that to add that to our package. Um, but it's been a real challenge. I mean, there's, there's still some things we're overcoming, but on the ingredient side, you know, we're really driving the environmentally friendly and getting better and better at it because not just to our benefit, but because there's a, there is a, such a demand for plant-based products and now increasingly plant-based cheese, the ingredient companies, uh, the packaging companies, they're all looking to be more environmentally friendly. So we're, it's becoming more available and we're able to take advantage of it. David, it seems like you've, you've ran into a few constraints, right? And that's what I think is so interesting about these impact companies that they run to these constraints and they innovate around them. So with your packaging or the sourcing of these products, you know, supply chains are being built. You know, how, how are your relation? How important are your relationships with those suppliers, with those customers that you're reaching out to make sure that you know they're meeting the requirements that that you've set forth? Yeah, well, I mean, we definitely have to do our diligence, Kevin, because mm. as you know, <clears throat> people can say one thing and do another. Mm. So, uh, part of growing quickly and doing business uh, with high-level companies or, or retail chains, grocery chains, especially the natural ch channels, is they're demanding. So, they're forcing us to be more uh, aware of what we're doing. But because of that, it gives us more, more leverage with those ingredient companies or packaging companies because if they can't fulfill the needs of those large retailers or the demands of the consumers, they're going to fall by the wayside. So you have to find the right partners that are willing to buck up like you are, right? I mean, like when a retailer says to us, hey, you know what? We need to, you need to verify that your coconuts aren't picked by monkeys. And I think it's a joke. Uh, and then it's reality it forces us to be better and figure something out that we didn't know. So, and hold our, in our, our producers or our vendors uh, accountable. Um, it's all, you know what it does. Sometimes it's not a lot of fun, you know, that you have to get over another hurdle, but once you're over that hurdle, it makes you better and it helps you stand out and you learn a lot about how you can do even better. And our goal as a company, besides our number one goal is to provide the best, cheese alternative, uh, plant-based cheese alternative in the marketplace. Um, but beyond that, being authentic and really doing, living our mission and doing well for, okay, the yes, the environment and our planet and for people's health, but also for our communities. Uh, I mean, our teams go out, we plant trees in our communities. We go out and we volunteer at food banks. We volunteer at, at kitchens where we feed the homeless. So. We really want to be thoughtful and real about what we do across the board. So all of this makes us be better. Uh, and if we're living that mission uh, authentically, mm. we can execute at a higher level. I love that. I love that. Like a more of a stakeholder uh, approach yeah. you know, versus shareholder approach. And it takes, you know, like you said, like those investors to come on board with those aligned values. Now, sure. let's talk about taste. How does it taste? How does it compete? With all of these cheeses that are already out there, and is it priced at a, at a point that is competitive? 
Well, great news is uh, typically when we go into a, a grocery chain, we we move up very quickly. As the, we're usually the fastest growing brand in the in the category. Um, there are some pioneer brands that will be hard for us to surpass in sales. Uh, but like Wegmans, which is one of the number one grocers in the U.S., and is our second retailer that we ever got on. You were number two there uh, in a very short period of time um, because our taste, our meltability uh, is just when you when you put our like our when I was doing trade shows, uh, we're not doing them for the past year, but it was fun because, you know, what we would make pizzas and grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. And at these trade shows, you know, people sometimes they don't care what you're doing. They just want they want that piece of pizza or they want that grilled cheese because they're just walking the show and they're going to eat it. They'll take it. Man, boy, this is good. Is this your are you selling bread? We're like, no, 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 no. Plant based cheese. And they're like, no way. Right. So having those reactions, you know, having serving someone a piece of pizza and having them not know it's not real mozzarella. Uh, that was our goal. Mm. Um but when we launched, Kevin, uh, we had a great product. I mean, it was definitely here above the next guy in the category uh, who does a really good job. But we wanted to raise the bar. Uh, we continually increased, innovated, and worked on the melt, taste, uh, texture, all of that. So we we want to lead that category. We want to be the best in, in category. So that's been our focus. And because, again, of all the attention that's being uh, place on this on this category, the flavors. There's better flavors available. Uh, we've we've mastered processes so we can create a better stretch and meltability. Uh, so all of these things are coming into play and, and helping us lead the category. It's an interesting time now because maybe people at first maybe thought this was like a fad or you know veganism or but it's hard to see in the future consumers not wanting tr- transparency. Like no matter. What happens in a recession? People are, all, are always going to want that. The thing is, some people are kind of turned off by the word vegan. It comes with yep. so many different yep. you know, traits and qualities. How, how do you perceive um, the vegan movement and kind of how you, you label your products? Yeah. Well, look, when I, again, when I started looking at the category, it was vegan. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, I'm trying to figure out, like, well, how can I make, how can I approach a bigger consumer base? And uh, then I was like, oh, well, dairy-free is bigger, and it's still vegan. So that works. So I started, I was going to label it dairy-free. Uh, at that point, plant-based crept up. And the more I dove into it, the more I understood the plant-based consumer. Uh, so 82% of consumers will choose a plant-based item once a week. And that could be a burger. It could be a cheese. uh it could be a yogurt. It could be a yogurt. It's, they're, they're not vegans. Uh, they're not shifting their diet. It's the, it's the beyond meat and impossible mm-hmm. philosophy, right? Hey, you know what? We're not trying to, we're not trying to do away with, with the, the, the beef industry. We're trying to provide an alternative that people can make better choices for themselves and for the planet here and there. It's a balance. It's the flexitarian. So mm. we're, we're really trying to provide a great product that flexitarian um, that can make a choice now and then of not eating dairy for several reasons. One for our environment, uh, for their health, uh, for whatever other reasons, underlying reasons there might be. Lactose intolerant, who knows? Allergies. Uh, 
and select us to, again, to have that balance in their life. So we've really focused on the plant-based category uh, because it is growing and it's not going to go away because millennials, Gen Zs, Gen Xers, they're all wanting to do better for our environment. Uh, they are wanting to eat healthy. And uh, this is the way to do that. You know what? Whether they choose to give up cheese uh, uh, completely or not is up to them. Mm -hmm. But for us to be able to give them a great alternative to make a better choice here and there or completely, that's what we're all about. I, I, I love it. And I think people, it's just new, you know, and I think this will become the norm, you know, in, in years to come. It's not going to be your plan, but it's just, it just is uh, and do the climate and, and kind of the changes we actually need to make as well. Now, when it comes to the health benefits of your cheese, do you have any information for our viewers listening to this today that, you know, by switching to your cheese, it, it may uh, give you a healthier lifestyle? Yeah, well, we're a third the fat, we're a third the calories. Uh, our, there's uh, no carbs or, or very low carbs or healthy. Uh, the cholesterol is very low. Uh, so that's also for people that have cholesterol issues. Um, no allergens. I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefits here. I mean, we kind of check a lot of the boxes. Uh, I mean, kosher, I mean, that wasn't even on my radar, but kosher and halal, people can have cheeseburgers with our products. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways to apply this product into your life and bring it in. And, uh, well, like I said, either full-time or here and there to do better for you and the planet. Um, it's just, it's a lot of benefits here, Kevin. I mean, uh, I mean, if you look back five, even five years ago, did you think that the auto industry would be transitioning to completely electric by 2035? When I had an electric car and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have thought it would be that broad, but we have to pay attention to this way with food, to your health, but also to our environment. Uh, David, I re I read Real Leaders Magazine. So I, I, I did see that coming because we've been on that, that forefront. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good little, for you. A little plug there. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was interested about this because I went on the website. I did request it to be in this location, which you can do, folks. And as well as um, I found out because I, I live in San Diego most of the time of the year. I'm in Bend now. But um, it's, a near, it's in my Sprout store close by. And I was like, oh, well, I can also order it online. Like, how do you balance between between e-commerce and then also selling b2b like do you have a preference is it more difficult now like in terms of scalability like what are your thoughts on e-commerce versus going into the stores well again as a young company you know we the goal is to get into stores uh i mean you want to be accessible to everybody uh, and we are growing rapidly there so uh, but also in today's world as we've seen uh d2c the direct to consumer is is important so uh, we we partner with several. We have our own website uh, where we you can order bundles. Uh, we partner with uh, GTFO. It's vegan.com. Uh, that's it's a vegan website that's doing extremely well and also has a grocery delivery service. So um, yeah, direct consumer is something that we're focused on. We're trying to really master it because I mean shipping refrigerated product. Uh, in Korea, you know, it's not cheap. So, but we're finding paths to get it the cost down. You know, ship a bundle, and we can cover shipping and things like that. So it is a focus, and my new team is much better at that than I was because, uh, you know, we try to do it all from our website. It was it was challenging, you know, because 
people want to, they don't want to order 10 items all the time, you know? So you have to figure out, we, we've kind of found a way, a path, bring those costs down until we can get it direct to consumer, for sure. David, what I've been interested in recently are like impact metrics, but also like, are they necessary? Are, are, how do you measure impact metrics? Everyone's measuring different things. You know, is is saving, is reducing your CO2 emissions by transportation the, the same as, you know, creating healthier lives? Like, how do you value one versus the other? It's very subjective sometimes. How, what are your thoughts on impact measurements, measurements and do you measure um, anything like that? Well, we, our new team uh, is beginning to do a lot of that. Mine was more instinctual as we launched right. the company, as I said. Um, but again, I, I keep going back to, you know, and initially, my number one was the environment. Uh, of course, sure, I knew it was healthier, uh, but the environment was a critical mission to me personally. Uh, you know, I don't like what we've done to our world. Um, I don't like what we continue to do to our world. And I want to see, I want to see it. I think we can improve. Well, we can definitely improve, uh, but I want to change the way things are done. So we are focused on looking at ways to always do better across the board. Health-wise, um, you know, right now, I didn't know this, but something else I learned in the last 90 days, maybe it was, maybe it was four months, I don't know. Buyers right now, the number one reason they're buying these products is health, health reasons. Uh, but environment is was growing quicker and was going to surpass that. So there's such a balance, and we, we are... I wish I could tell you I was an expert in this these metrics, but I'm not. Uh, my team, who is now, who does have experience in that and is looking at that, is 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 focused on it, and also not only just focused on how how we can measure and how we can execute, but how we can share that message of why and how we're doing it. Mm. It's it's interesting because you know what do you measure like what when you're accountable for something you're accountable for your your P and L but are you accountable for your impact on the planet Yeah, it's an interesting kind of discussion. Now, good planet, it's in the company name. It is. That's what we wanted it there. Right, right. I love that. Now, like, how, what experiences kind of led up to you having this value of you know business and, and environmental, um, you know, can can be in congruence. I look, you know, I was one of the, I, I, I've always recycled. Uh, I, I didn't like, you know, running water. I was very sensitive to all these things about doing well for our environment, uh, not disposing of things in the wrong way. I mean, anything that I could do, not overusing or, you know, being excessive, uh, with, with stuff, reusing bags, whatever. So that was already part of who I was, but I never had a business where I could really have an impact. Um, sure, at, at my snack company, we did have recyclable bags, uh, but that's about as good as I could do. Uh, you know, here, when I learned, and it was by mistake, I, I, like I said, I really thought the guy was pulling my leg with cow farts. I mean, uh, when I learned about that, it hit me. And it it draw it, excuse me it drew me in that I could really have a mission here mm. uh, and really do better for our planet. So it it became a part of me uh, I, when I even though I had an electric car uh, when my lease expired a year and a half ago I didn't get a car I decided to walk to work uh, I, 
let my I want to lessen my personal impact on our environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, it is who part of who I am. And it's great to have that that I can lead and build a company uh, that really can share that message and live that mission uh, for real. Uh, you know, it has to be a part. You have to care or it doesn't matter, right? I mean, if I called it Good Planet and talked about the environment and then I got in my big truck and, you know, drove, you know, whatever, you know, and was just one of those guys of excess of everything and didn't care, then I shouldn't be here. Mm. So we want to be real and I want to, I want to be passionate about what I do. I want to, I want to live it. You know, I mean, I've built companies, but I realized a lot. You realize a lot about yourself. Um, and like I said, my before dollar isn't, doesn't drive me. Okay. Yes. We want to be successful. We love, we love creating a great brand. We love creating good products and, and providing things to the consumer. I want to do well for our investors, but you know what, if I can have a happy life, if I can do what I love, if I can see other people have good lives and be happy, there's nothing more fulfilling. And if I can impact our world in a positive way, even if it's on at a small level, can because uh, we're a small company, we want to be a part of that. Hmm. Incredible. You know, li- living authentically is something that's very difficult for a lot of people. And people can sense, you know, if someone's two-faced or someone is is not living the values that they've been preaching. Um, and it's also easy to kind of stray away from those values. And then, you know, you kind of find yourself in a different direction than where you originally thought. Now, did you come to like some point in your life where you may have hit rock bottom or you may have hit a tipping point where you kind of realize, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not living, you know, in congruence with who I actually am. Well, yes, Kevin. Uh, so when I, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19. I mean, I've worked for myself in many different industries. Uh, I've sold three other companies uh, that weren't in the food category on a very high level. But I think because I grew up in an environment kind of relatively poor, um, in a actually in a very astute neighborhood, uh, you know, you're like... I, I want to be like that. I want a big house. I want a car. I want, you know, I want, I want to be, I want to be the guy. I want people to kiss my butt. So I think when I first started building companies, it was for the wrong reasons. It's because I wanted stuff. You know, I, I want, I want to be that guy with the ego, you know, that walks into the restaurant and everybody bows down to. My wife and I, in our, in our, as, as she supported me through all of my companies, uh, which I always start from scratch, uh, probably usually on credit cards or every penny that I have, uh, we've actually sold a house to start a company. <clears throat> uh, my mission and my philosophy changed when, you know, you can lose every penny uh, and people go away with it. Um, so eco doesn't do you any good. Um, friends, family, you know, uh, your community, those are things that you can't replace. Uh, and when you have a good relationship uh, and do well for all those people that are important to you and your community, which is definitely important to everybody, um, you're going to thrive. Uh, and I think I had that, that I had, a, well, I've had an event in my life that changed me forever. And when you realize that, like I said, things, dollars come and go, 
they're easy to they're easy to get, they're easy to lose, and they're easy to get again. So people doing the right thing, being authentic and, and not having an ego and just trying to live a life where uh, I don't want to be corny, but doing good. Like I said, we always want to do the right thing here. Uh, my entire team has that same philosophy. Uh, that's the way that we're going to build good relationships and partnerships uh, and be authentic and feel good about what we do at the end of the day. Yeah. I, you know, if someone gave me a big check and patted me on the back and uh, I walked away from a company that really didn't do anything that was positive uh, for our kids, I wouldn't feel good. I'm a, I'm very involved in my community. I mean, we hire, uh, we hire transitioning felons that are coming out of prison and getting back into the real world and give them opportunities and jobs. Um, we support the local food banks as best we can and local small businesses as best we can, even small businesses in other states, wherever we can kind of lend a hand to help people. We want to help. We want to do what we can to be better for. You know, we need our world to be better across the board. I love it. Thanks for sharing that, David. Now, it's interesting, though. It's like I hear this time and time again from many people. Like, you know, I was doing something and then had this realization that, you know, what am I doing with my life? And that's, you know, why our company was founded as well. Why do you think that is that it takes, you know, so much trial and error and, you know, tribulations for some a realization moment like that to happen? Whereas, you know, what if you would have learned that beforehand? Do you think that's something that you can teach people? I try to teach my people here. Um, and, and you know, one of my partners, Spencer, uh, who started here from scratch with no experience whatsoever, zero. Um, he was, I saw he had the potential uh, to, to grow and play a real role here very early on because he was such a, thoughtful go-getter, you know, uh, not just about doing something, but about doing it right. But as I saw him replicating the way that I would do it, sent me a message. Um, because usually I would jump into discussions and relationships uh, because, I, like I said, communication can solve all problems. Uh, and when you're real and honest and authentic, <clears throat> pardon me, you can avoid all kinds of problems. Not only that, you get a lot of forgiveness. You know, when 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 you're when your buyers know you're going to be real uh, and you're going to accept responsibility and not try to pass the buck, and you're here to create a win-win, they're going to forgive a lot of mess ups because they don't want to go find a partner that is not going to be a partner, right? Uh, so I think investing in your partner, doing the right thing, uh, and being authentic sends a message. I have instilled it in everybody here about how to communicate with our partners. I don't like it when, sure, we have vendors or buyers that get angry with us once in a while. Uh, and rather than respond defensively, I, I try to teach everybody, you know what? Understand what happened. Communicate in a way that's honest and, and, and real. Uh, and find a solution that's good for everybody. You know, I mean, you don't have to be defensive. Defensive doesn't get you anywhere, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we still have to fix the problem. So uh, as long as we fix the problem, we all move forward. Everybody's a winner. So uh, you can't teach it to people, not everybody. Uh, if, every, if they have an ego or um, 
kind of the Napoleon complex, it's right. hard to deal. It's hard to overcome that, right? If they don't realize that they can do better working together, they don't have to be the number one guy, right? Um, it's all about winning together. So I would say 80% of the time, people want to learn and want to do better. Um, and there's probably 20, maybe it's 10% of people. They're just going to be who they are and you can't change them. It's, it's sage advice. And it kind of goes back to kind of what you had said at the beginning of the show about, you know, this bottom up mentality and how the values also trickle down and it kind of works for themselves, you know, and it attracts people with similar values. The organization kind of runs itself. And, you know, David, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. I learned so much, uh, you know, been blown away by a lot of the stories, especially the monkey coconut oil. So I mean, that, that's just harvesting coconut. Like crazy. No huh? idea. Me either. Something new every day. Uh, so, Dave, let's 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 bring this home. Then, um, what is your definition of a real leader? You know, uh, my definition is someone uh, that that's passionate about what they're doing, that doesn't have an ego, um, that's in it for the team, right? That wants everybody to be equally successful, um, but is willing to be out there and be the lightning rod for the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and create opportunities for for the team to really lean in 100% on what they can do best, on what they bring to the party, right? Um, and also, I think kind of what I feel I do best is, look, I, we, I told you, I don't, I don't really get upset about anything. You know, uh, problems are going to happen. You just got to you take it, you deal with it, you learn, you move forward, right? Try not to let it happen again. But no matter how great things are, problems are going to happen. So uh, can't let it can't let it cripple you. Um, so allowing people to do what they what to to, to to capitalize on their talents and give them the autonomy to grow on their own without trying to micromanage them. That's a great leader because you create leaders that way. I love it. Great signal for good leadership in the organization. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on this show today. I'm so happy we were able to have you on. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, for David Israel, the founder and co-CEO of The Good Planet Foods, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be in it for the team, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, David. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast with David Israel. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And folks, if you could please leave a review. Let us know what you think of the episode, who you want to see on, and how we can improve. It would mean the world to me because I can tell you one thing. I read all of them and check them daily. So want to see more about how this podcast has helped you and how we can improve. Secondly, if you want to join these interviews, and many of you have, all you got to do is either click the link in this description or just go online to realleaders.com slash podcast where we will have all of the upcoming interviews with real leaders where you can attend live, ask questions, and who knows, maybe come on the screen. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode.